expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Communications, staff, management, or advertisers. Activist Radio is on the air. You have tuned in to the Mark Harrington Show, sponsored by Created Equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders to take on the culture of death and win. You don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. It does come out in one piece. It comes out in one piece. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. And now, here's Mark. And wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? You're listening to Mark Harrington here on The Mark Harrington Show. You're radio activist coming to you from Columbus, Ohio, and over these Salem radio stations and on my social media platforms. If you want to find out more about my program and the ministry of Created Equal, you can go to markharrington.org. That's markharrington.org to find out more. So we look at this passage in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus has this interchange with the lawyer And the lawyer says, and wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And we're going to be talking about that today. Who is our neighbor? Uh, And specifically, are are the pre-born our neighbors? And so in the next 20 or so minutes, I'm going to hopefully lay out a basic, very basic, biblical foundation for why we as Christians need to take a vocal stand for the preborn, And hopefully, as you listen to the sound of my voice and, and this, uh, this talk that I'm giving on Luke chapter 10, that not only you'll be convicted to do more, which of course is my intention all along, is that we get more people in the game, get more people active, uh, out on the streets, uh, sharing the truth about abortion and the gospel to those who need to hear it. That's the purpose of the, the radio program and my ministry. But I'm also hoping for you pastors who are listening that you might want to invite me to your, uh, to your church to speak also. So, you know, because we need to get the word out to uh, Christians all across America and sound the alarm that uh, we have a window of time here to, to make a massive difference on abortion. Uh, and, and the time is now. Well, it's always now to do good, but the time is definitely now. We need to see that moment. So basically what I'm going to do here today is I'm going to take the passage in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, and just share from it and make the case that the preborn are our neighbors, that the preborn are our neighbors. So let's jump right in. Uh, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. Let me read this from the Word of God. It says this, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So here we have this, uh, like I say, this conversation between Jesus and this lawyer. And the lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? Now, we need to understand that this isn't a lawyer like in the t- contemporary sense of the word, 
like today, you know, a trial lawyer with a court and a judge and all that. No, that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about a, an expert in the law, the Old Testament law, who understood the law and the prophets. And uh, they were coming to test Jesus, which they often did, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the scholars, so to speak, the religious types, when they came to Jesus, they really weren't looking for an answer. They weren't really never, generally anyway, uh, you know, trying to find out information so that they could uh, decide on what they wanted to do with him. They were looking to trip him up, and that's what this lawyer was doing. And he asked the quintessential gospel question, you know, the, the quintessential evangelical question, the softball question, if you will, that we'd all love to hear, and that is the question, how do I inherit eternal life? That's, that's what, um, you know, that's what he asked, and... and um, uh, and, and then he summarized in his answer, he summarized the Old Testament, basically, uh, when he said, basically, love God and love your neighbor. That's basically what he did to answer the question, uh, uh, how do I inherit eternal life? So, you know, he wasn't giving two new commands, you know, not that we are now have 12, we had 10 before. No, he was summarizing them. The first four talk about loving God. And the second six, five through ten, talk about loving your neighbor. And wishing to justify himself, the lawyer said, who is my neighbor? In other words, he was trying to get off the hook saying, you know, my neighbor could be anybody. Doesn't have to be the guy next to me. Doesn't have to be my neighbor who lives next to me. Doesn't have to be the same person in my city. Uh, in, in, in contemporary terms, doesn't need to be my Facebook friends. You know, he's just trying to get off the hook. And then what Jesus does here is he launches into a story. And we know it uh, as the Good Samaritan parable, the Good Samaritan parable. And so what I want to do is I want to take down and take, go through this parable with you and answer the question, who is my neighbor, in the contemporary sense of the word. So let's read on. Uh, we pick up here in uh, verse 30, again, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. And this is the answer to the lawyer who asked, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus starts telling this story, and he said, Jesus replied and said, A certain man was going down from, Jericho, uh, down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and left him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down on the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion on him. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put them on his own beast, and he brought him to the inn and took care of him. And on the next day he took out two denarii, and came to them, uh, came to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will pay you. Which of these three do you think provided, uh, uh, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said, Go and do the same. Go and do the same. And do the same. So here you have it. You have the answer to who is my neighbor, to the lawyer who asked that question. 
Jesus launches into this story, a contemporary story in his day about this beating victim. We call it the Good Samaritan. What I want to do is draw out the parallels as to how these men responded to the beating victim and how we, many of us, uh, respond to the pre-born. So let's look at a couple things. First of all, there are four characters in the passage, four characters in this story. The first is what we would call, he calls the certain man. The certain man. Think about that. This, this man's nameless, right? He doesn't have a name. Uh, isn't that the case for many victims, right? This beating victim was nameless. Uh, we don't name victims. They're, they're, they're kind of the dregs of society. We don't pay attention to them. And this guy was in the ditch, so many might have thought, well, you know, he deserved to be there. Isn't that true with the preborn? Preborn don't have a name. They're never born. They're never named. Uh, they're medical waste. They're thrown in a dumpster or uh, used and burned up in incinerators. Uh, it's always the case that the victims are depersonalized. They're not one of us. And that is the case with the preborn. They remain anonymous. So we have the certain man. That's the first character. The second is the priest. The priest. Now, he's the religious guy, right? And he saw him, too, but he passed by on the other side. And we might wonder or speculate as to why he did that. But isn't it true with lots of religious people? You know, they're busy. They got things to do, right? They got religious stuff to do. In fact, this guy, this priest might have had a sermon to preach. In fact, he might have even preached about how we should be anti, uh, we should be against uh, people getting beat up and thrown in ditches. But he didn't stop. He passed by on the other side. So it is today. Many people claim Christ. Uh, they're religious. They may have the reverend before their name uh, or what have you. But yet, they pass by on the other side when it comes to the preborn every single day. In every city in America, almost, at least the large ones, there are abortion mills. We know where they are. What do we do? We drive right by them. We don't stop. We don't do anything for the beating victim. And so it is today that many religious people find a reason to not stop. Now, they might be attitudinally against beating uh, up people, or in this case, killing preborn babies. In other words, they might have it right in their heads but behaviorally, they're not. In other words, they can be attitudinally pro-life, as it is with much of the church. They'll say, oh, we're against abortion. But they're not behaviorally pro-life. In other words, they don't do a single thing for the most part. They don't even lift a finger to do anything about the pre-born. So it is today. So the priest, he was a religious guy. He was busy. He had other things to do. Now let's move on. The Levite, similarly, a religious person, saw him. So once he saw him, he was responsible for what he saw. But again, he passed by the other side. Now this guy might give to the poor. He might preach about how we're supposed to help the defenseless, the downtrodden, right? The, the, those who are less fortunate. He might have the right thinking, but again, he didn't do the right thing. He didn't stop and help out the beating victim. And then the fourth character, which I want to spend the rest of the time talking about, that is the Samaritan. He's a non-religious guy, right? And the Samaritans, if you understand, during Jesus' day, they were the outcasts. They were like the uh, dregs of society. 
But like the other two, he saw the beating victim, but he reacted very differently. He didn't pass by on the other side. And as we'll see, he had the head right and the heart right. He had the position that, yeah, this is a bad thing. I'm against it. But more importantly, he behaved, he behaved right. He, be, he, he was pro-life, if you will. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to take the time here and talk about the actions, the things that the Samaritan did uh, that, uh, and then compare them, those actions, in response to this beating victim that he saw in the ditch that day and compare his actions or reactions or what he did behaviorally to what we should do when it comes to uh, the preborn and abortion. So let's go ahead and pick up here in Luke chapter 10, verse 33. And it says this, But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. Okay, so the first thing that the, be, uh, that the, uh, that the uh, uh, Samaritan did is it says that he felt compassion. And what I want to do here, I'm basically going to lay out five, act, five actions that the, 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 the Samaritan uh, did that uh, is something we should also do. Five actions. I'm going to call them the five S's, if you, if you will. Uh, the first is that he sympathized with the beating victim. The second is that he suspended his plans that day to minister to the beating victim. The third is that he served the beating victim directly. The fourth is that he shared his burden, uh, the burden of the beating victim. And then fifthly, he supported the beating victim. So we see here that, number one, he sympathized with the beating victim by feeling compassion for him. And so something emotional transpired or transacted within the, the Good Samaritan. Something here, right here in his heart, right? That was the first thing that happened emotionally. He was broken, more than likely, brokenhearted, right? He might have even been in tears as he looked at the beating victim. And so it is with abortion. We should be brokenhearted, that we have allowed 46 years of legal abortion in America. Millions upon millions of babies have died. 60 million just by surgical means in America alone. Our first reaction should be a brokenness uh, to what's going on. And if you're not broken over abortion, nothing's going to change for you. Or if we're not broken over abortion as the church Nothing's going to change in America. We need to be broken. It's our responsibility to serve uh, and, and uh, defend the baby. So the first thing that the Samaritan did is that he sympathized with the beating victim. The second thing he did is found in verse 34, where he suspended his plans uh, and then he ministered with the beating victim uh, to the beating victim. So let's look at uh, verse 34. It says that he came to him. Uh, he came to him. And so, in other words, the other two, the priest and the Levite, just walked by on the other side. They just kept on their way, right? Just like this. They looked over. 
but they didn't change their direction. They just kept on their way. They had a busy day, whatever it was. They just kept on their way. The difference with uh, the Samaritan, not only is that he sympathized with the beating victim emotionally, is that he came to him. It means that he stopped, right? Stopped, and he turned, and he came to him. In other words, he interrupted his day. And you will see later in the passage, he, it changed his life forever. He was never going to be the same. He stopped, changed his direction, and he came to him. It says he came to him. And we need to understand that. He changed his direction, and he interrupted his life. So he suspended his plans and ministered to the beating victim. Then we see also in verse 34, he served, directly served, the beating victim it says he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring wine, oil and wine on him, and he put him on his own beast. So it says here that he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, he took care of him. So not only did he change his direction, stop, change his direction, he came to him, he got into the ditch with him. Now think about the beating victim. He's probably all muddy, left for dead, bloody, more than likely. Uh, and the Samaritan changed direction, went in, came towards him, and got down in the ditch and actually started to bandage up his wounds. Now, if you think about that for a moment, it's probably pretty gross. I mean, he had to get his hands bloody, muddy, getting it all over himself, right? But he ministered to him. He took care of him. He bandaged up his wounds. So... We see that he sympathized with the beating victim. He suspended his plans, administered the beating victim, and then he served the beating victim directly by bandaging up his wounds. And then it says that he shared the burden of the beating victim. Let's look again in verse 34 here, um, where it says that uh, he, he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him, and then he put him on his own beast. He put him on his own beast and brought him to the end and took care of him. So here's the picture. Again, he stopped. He came towards him. He got into the ditch. He bandaged him up. He took care of him. And he put him on his own beast. So obviously he had a beast. He's probably riding the beast. So he got off the beast. He's, he's, and then he, he got down in the ditch, put, put the beating victim on his shoulder, more than likely lifted him up, right? on his own back, and threw him onto his own beast. Threw him onto his own beast. And in that, he shared his burden. He shared the burden of the beating victim. You know, the Bible says that uh, we should bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. That's what the Bible says. And so it should be with the preborn. Not only should we just sympathize with them or or change our lifestyle to minister and take care of them and serve them, but we need to share their burden. That means life is just not the same. It's not normal when babies are dying. Uh, Christianity needs to look a whole lot different. Our lives should be different every single day. We should live differently because babies are dying. It's not normal, folks. This is a holocaust happening in America. Uh, and therefore, we need to share their burden. That means we need to take it upon ourselves. I tell you what, each day I wake up, I have that burden on me. I do. Now, of course, I'm a follower of Christ. So 
I can lift that burden onto him, and he carries it, of course. But my life's different. I'm sharing the burden, and you should as well, because babies are dying. Now, finally, he supported the beating victim. Now, let's look at this. This is found in verse 34. Again, Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 35. I'm sorry, there's 35. Let's look at that. And it says, On the next day he took out two denarii and gave them uh, to the innkeeper, and he said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Whatever uh, you spend, I will repay you. So here it is. When I return, so he, he financially invested. He took some of his own money and gave it to the innkeeper and, and paid for him to stay there. And he said, when I return, I will repay you. So it's an ongoing thing. Uh, it wasn't just a one-day thing for this, for this uh, Samaritan, for this individual. It wasn't just a one-day thing. I mean, he didn't just like us. Many of us, we go to the March for Life or whatever, and we feel like our responsibility to the preborn uh, is satisfied by that event. Or we do a 40 Days for Life, and I'm not saying those things are, are, are bad or evil or what. No, they're not. They're good. But every single day, we should live differently. Um, when I return, it didn't just change his day. It changed his life, and his life had changed forever. He had an entirely new lifestyle, a totally new orientation and worldview because of what he came across that day on the road to Jericho. So anyway, those, those are the five S's, the five actions. Let me review those again of the Samaritan. He sympathized with the beating victim. He suspended his plans and, and ministered to the beating victim. He served the beating victim. He shared in the burdens of the beating victim, and he supported the beating victim. And so it is with us, or should be. We should be able to take this parable, Jesus' story about who our neighbor is, and apply it to today with the American Holocaust, abortion. We should be doing the same things. We should be serving in this area of pro-life ministry. And so that's what we do at Created Equal. And if you want to find out more, you can go to createdequal.org. We're all over the Midwest, Michigan, Ohio, and other places on college and high school campuses. I also am uh, willing and able to come and preach in your church on this subject. But the more important thing is we need to get active. Uh, we need to get active. We're running out of time, folks. I mean, God's judgment is on America if we do not respond the way this good Samaritan responded to this beating victim. Uh, time is short. We've had 46 years of legalized abortion. Our hands are covered with blood people, and we need to do something to stem the tide of God's judgment. So if you want to find out more about us, again, go to createdequal.org, or you can invite me to preach at your church. I can do a Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning. I can speak at a small group Bible study or what have you, a banquet if you're a, a crisis pregnancy uh, director or what, a, a center director or what have you. I'd be happy to come and share. We can do apologetics trainings. We have people that are trained in pro-life apologetics. I'm going to talk about more uh, that more in, in future broadcasts. But the bottom line is we all have to get involved. Uh, don't be like the priest and Levite, right? Do, do not be like them that just pass by on the other side like nothing's happening. Uh, don't look here. Don't bother. Go on your way. Nothing to see here and go about your business. Don't do that. Uh, 
responsibility falls on us as Christians. We're going to have to answer to God someday for this. All of us will. And if you're not taking a profound and vocal stand for the preborn, then you are not fulfilling your obligation to Christ to be a good neighbor. Love thy neighbor as myself, right? The good neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Well, my neighbor is the preborn. And now that you're aware of that by listening to the sound of my voice, you need to do something about it. You're culpable. You're responsible to do something about it, and I hope that you will. So you can contact me at createdequal.org to find out more about what we do or go to the Mark Harrington Show's website at markharrington.org. Again, Mark Harrington here coming to you uh, from the Create Equals studios here on all these Salem radio stations and my social media platforms. You can catch us every Saturday uh, coming over the air here and also online. So I'm, I'm once again... I'm asking you to get involved. And pastors, after you've heard the sound of my voice, I hope that maybe you would invite me to come. Now listen, I don't want to be a proxy for pastors. That's not my job. It's your job to preach the Word of God, not mine. But I'm happy to come in and share. I'm happy to come in and preach or share and, and teach uh, apologetics or whatever is necessary for us to get your church moving in the right direction to take a stand for the preborn. Folks, we're running out of time here. Let's do it. Let's get it done now. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808, 614-269-7808, or go online to createdequal.net, createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.